Welcome to this week's Energy Show. The show this week is for people who already have rooftop solar, because we're going to answer the question, what do you do when your inverter dies? Now, your inverter is that box, it's a box of electronics that converts the DC power from your solar panels on the roof or on the ground into AC power that basically feeds into your home or business and then runs your meter backwards. Now, systems older than about seven years are when inverters start to fail. Most of the inverters on the market had warranties that ranged from seven to ten years. And I estimate that there's about a million of these older inverters on homes and businesses. Many of these are past their warranty, so they're going to stop working. Okay, now, most inverters are very reliable. My experience, on average, is that they almost always last longer than their warranty. So if you have an inverter that's got a 10-year warranty, my experience, it's going to go for 12, 15 years or so. Now, it depends on certain conditions. Some of the older inverters, the things that I started installing in 2001, only had a 5-year warranty, and they pretty consistently lasted at least 10 years. The newer inverters have 10-year warranties, and and they're lasting 12 to 15 years. The thing is... Even if it's still within its warranty time frame, some of these good inverters die young, like Billy Joel said. And like taxes and everything else electronic, they're going to die. Now, what's interesting is the PV panels live on. They're almost perpetual. They're they're good for 25 years. Even after 25 years, they're still going to be cranking out power. But the inverters, a lot of electronics, they're going to need to get replaced. Now... On today's show, we're mostly focusing on string inverters. These are not; these are the big rectangular inverters that are on the side of the wall, not microinverters like Enphase does, but we're talking about string inverters from companies, great companies like SMA, Fronius, Keiko, Xantrax, Outback. I'm not really talking about SolarEdge too much because their inverters are all relatively new, not seeing any failures at all, that they're all pretty much still under warranty. But you know, these other companies have been in business you know, since 2000 and before, and they're just... You know, inverters are, it's time for them to go. Now, just with regards to microinverters, when the microinverters go, there's always monitoring, and there's really not much you can do. You just say, uh, that one's out. The microinverter on the third panel from the left is dead. An installer's just going to go out with the spare inverter, lift up the panel, put the new microinverter in, close the panel, and then go from there. Most contractors have a spare microinverter on their truck just so they don't have to make two trips to replace a $150 inverter. But the string inverters, much more work involved. So how do you know if your inverter is dead? Well, I got three ways of of commonly telling on that. The first and the most logical, although the most not the most practical, but the most logical, is check the monitoring if you have monitoring. All of the newer systems, almost all of the newer systems have monitoring. The older systems generally didn't have monitoring, or they had monitoring sometimes from installers, and the installers wouldn't always monitor the systems for kind of a variety of reasons. The main thing about the monitoring is the inverters are so reliable that people kind of ignore the monitoring. Here's an, an unfortunate reality in the solar industry when it comes to problems that occur. 95% of the customer service issues that I've encountered over the past 20 years are due to monitoring. It's not due to the panels dying or the inverters dying. It's due to some indication that there's something wrong with the system. In reality, it's a problem with the monitoring. The internet address changed. The router died. The wire going to the monitoring is broken. Something wasn't updated. And so what ends happening with the monitoring is people kind of tune out these notifications from monitoring. It's just you just ignore it after a while. So checking your monitoring is is really good in, rea- in, in theory, but not really good in reality. The two better ways 
ways to check to see if your inverter is good is check the indicator lights and keep an eye on your utility bill. As far as the indicator lights go, every inverter's got some LEDs on the front. Usually green LEDs mean everything's working okay, or there's a display on the inverter that you can see the output of the inverter. Some inverters, you have to push a button to activate the display. The SMA inverters, interestingly, you actually have to tap the case in front of the display, and that vibration is going to turn the display on. That way they save a few microwatts of power. So just make sure that the indicator lights are on. Keep, keep an eye on that green light. On an older inverter, sometimes those indicator lights fade away, or the, the plastic in front of the lights gets that's foggy, so it's hard to see. Obviously, you can't see it at night because the inverter's off. All right. The third way, is, which is the way most people check these things, is just keep an eye on your utility bill. Everybody does that because they got to pay the bill. And this is how most people know there's a problem. Suddenly, they'll notice that, oh, wow, my bill in this month is twice as high as it was at the same month last year. Something happened. Did I suddenly use more electricity? No. Did I buy an EV? No. Well, did the electric rates double? Well, they're going up, but not that much. Most likely, the inverter died, and suddenly you're no, no longer getting the power, and then your, your bill jumps up because you're not getting that offset. So that's when you have to go, all right, I got a problem. Now let me go check my inverter. Oh, the lights are dead, or it's not warm. Obviously, the inverter's not working. If there's no heat being emanated from the the heat sinks, that's when you got to make a replacement. Okay, so what causes failures? Heat's the most common cause of failures for any electronic equipment. So we usually get calls from people the first few hot days in spring and summer. We get a call about a month later. Oh, you know, something's wrong with my inverter. They notice their electric bill spiked. What also happens with heat sometimes is debris can accumulate on the heat sink on top of the inverter, or there might be a problem with the inverter fan. If that fan's not working, that fan dies or the controller dies, and the inverter's not staying cool. Also, so heat's the most common problem. A few other problems occasionally occur. Sometimes moisture gets into the electrical conduit. The electrical conduit goes into the inverter, and that moisture could damage some of the circuitry inside the inverter. Yeah, I've even seen water in the inverter, and I've even seen inverters working with water in the inverter. Another thing that happens, and this is amazing to me, bugs get into the inverters. Now, the inverter conduit is usually sealed. It's closed up pretty tightly, but tiny, tiny spiders and bugs somehow get into everything. You open up these hermetically sealed inverters, and there's webs and, and, and things inside. So um, those insects can get into moving parts like the fans and slow those down and damage them. And the third thing that could happen is that there's a wiring issue. The inverter is usually okay, but you know something might happen with water getting into conduit or some wire getting shorted out, or there's a ground fault. We actually had a customer in Napa it was a winery customer whose conduit was was burned by the, the fires that they had in Napa a few months ago. Fortunately, the winery was totally okay. The inverter and the panels were okay. We just had to replace a segment of conduit that roasted. All right, so those are the problems. Now, what should you do if you've got a problem with your inverter? Well... First thing you should do is call your solar contractor. Call the company that put the system in or call another local contractor. Most reputable installers, contractors who want to stay in business a long time get a lot of referrals for their that's how they generate new business. And the way you get referrals is by taking care of your existing customers. Most of the inverters that are under warranty have pretty good warranty coverage. So the manufacturer will pay your contractor to go out check the thing out, 
and replace the equipment. Now, they don't pay the contractor a lot of money, and you know I find that it doesn't really pay for a highly qualified crew to go out there twice, but they kind of offset the cost, and the, inver- the inverter company will also pay for the replacement. And now, if the system's out of warranty, if you have a 10-year, if you put in your system in, say, 2005, and the inverter had a 10-year warrant, 2018, not an under warranty anymore, then the contractor should recommend a replacement and kind of help you through the process and figure that out. The, but unfortunately, many solar contractors are out of business. They're really no longer serving their, their their territories, or they shrunk down their territories. They used to serve a much bigger area. They're smaller. That's actually the case with cinnamon energy systems. We used to cover things nationally, but now we're just in the Silicon Valley area. No worry, because if the inverter is under warranty, the manufacturer will support it. And if your contractor's not around or not answering the call or went bankrupt, God forbid, do a web search to find a local company that, that's going to fix the problem. You know, Do a search on inverter maintenance. Some companies really like to do do this, like like my company. Some companies don't like to do it because it kind of gets in the way of doing other work. Now, what will your contractor do? Well, if the system's monitored and the monitoring's working, the contractor's going to check the monitoring and see kind of how things are going. Often the monitoring's not working or there's no monitoring. Contractor will talk to you on the phone and to try and attempt a diagnosis and, and kind of give you some instructions on how to look for the lights or the indicators. The contractor, what we usually do is ask the customer to send us some digital pictures, snap some pictures with your cell phone of the inverter, of the name plate serial number on the inverter so we can check with the manufacturer to see what the warranty status is. And then we'll send out a technician to diagnose the problem and call the inverter company to see what they recommend, whether it's repaired or completely replaced. Then when the replacement unit of the parts arrive, then a a crew is going to go out and uh, take care of it. If it's out of warranty, usually what happens is the contractor is just going to recommend replacement with a brand new unit. Okay, now what if... It's clear that the inverter has failed. What are you going to do next? What's the process? Okay, as I mentioned, your contractor is going to come out to diagnose the problem. Usually, the contractor gets a pretty good sense of what's going on based on the age of the inverter. And you know, I can tell you in our experience, if it's a really old inverter, we and we have the pictures, we know there's no point in rolling a truck and spending extra money to go out and say, oh yeah, this you know, 2002 inverter really is dead. We know, and so we're going to be able to kind of give you a quote for that. If it's clear that the inverter's dead. And if it's under warranty, we begin the replacement process. If it's out of the warranty period, then we have to kind of figure out exactly what to do. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Now, sometimes, you know, we've got a lot of experienced inverters. You might have a a flaky model of an inverter. Contractors kind of know which inverters are reliable and which ones are not. And so you may have an inverter with a 10-year warranty, and this happens to us pretty often. Um, And there may be nine years years into the warranty. So, you know, let's say you put the thing in in 2008, and it's almost at the end of its life and maybe it died, it's not worth it to try and fix it again for another 6 to 12 months because it's just going to break again and it's just going to be an extra expense. Because the contractors really want to do this efficiently and do this in, in one trip. Um, but when we have to go out and diagnose it, there's one trip to diagnose. Yeah, we got to roll a truck. It's a couple hundred bucks. And then another trip to repair and replacement. Okay. Now, let's talk about the ideal situation. Well, sort of ideal. Where you have an inverter and it's under warranty. And it's a good inverter and it's fairly straightforward to get fixed. Well, the inverter company is going to send out a replacement unit. Or sometimes the inverter company is going to send out replacement parts. My preference, clearly, is to get a complete replacement unit. Take the old unit off the wall. Put the new one in. Wire it up. When we get replacement 
parts. Sometimes it's a fan or a control board. We've got to take the thing apart, rewire things, take out the bad component, put the new component in, turn it on, and hope that it works. Um, and sometimes that repair doesn't do the trick, in which case, you know, we just... It's extra cost. The easiest is a replacement. So on, under warranty repair, the whole inverter is replaced. That's fine. Now, what if your inverter was 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, and you just need a replacement? Well, you've got some choices there. Now, one thing is to replace the inverter with a similar unit from the same manufacturer. I say a similar unit because these inverters, they change models every few years. So the inverters that were installed 10 years ago or 15 years ago were older technology, less efficient, didn't have as good monitoring, bigger, heavier. They're not making them anymore. So you're going to be replacing it with a newer unit that has higher efficiency and better communications capabilities, and sometimes it's going to work better on your array. Sometimes we're going to replace the unit with a different manufacturer, because some manufacturers may no longer be available, and then we'll just make sure we put something in fine. We've come across situations where customers have replaced their own inverters or have had another contractor come out and replaced it with a rebuilt inverter. Personally, I don't recommend this. And here's an example. I mean, people have these great, sharp, used to make a really good inverter. I forgot what the model was called, but a really good inverter. It wasn't really efficient, but the thing was like a microwave oven hung on the wall. It had three PowerPoint options. Really good inverter, but they don't make them anymore. But they're rebuilt units out there. So a customer would buy a rebuilt one for 200 bucks, put it in, and it wouldn't work. So pretty much in every case, my preference is to put in a brand new unit because the brand new unit is going to have another 10-year warranty. And obviously, I think it's going to last longer than 10 years. So um, that's the best way to go. All right. So when the inverter's getting replaced, you know, this is a good opportunity to clean up the installation because the new inverters have built-in DC disconnects. So you don't need that separate DC disconnect box. And then also the newer electric codes generally don't require an AC disconnect as long as the inverter is close to another disconnect. So there's a couple of boxes that we always used to have to put on the wall that you no longer need, at least in most areas of California. The other thing is that new inverters are what are called transformerless. Transformerless is a great idea. It, it means that it's lighter, it's going to be more efficient, but then these newer inverters require four wires, two hots, a neutral, and a gram, whereas the older transformer-based inverters, these were the inverters from you know 2000 to you know, 2008, 2010, they only require three wires. So when the contractor puts in these newer inverters, sometimes it's necessary to run an extra wire to the ground or the neutral. Not a big deal. That's what your installer does. They know how to do it. Okay. Got the new inverter. It's installed. But the contractor has to make sure that the system's operating properly and gets it configured properly. And there's also sometimes options as far as how to possibly rewire the, um, the, the wires that come down from the array. Most of the contractors don't like to rewire the wires because those are older wires and you don't want to mess with them. But if the system's in good shape, you just kind of plug it in. All right. Now, while the contractor's out there, you've got a new inverter. You've got some new options. You've got some other choices. Technology's changed a lot in the 10 to 20 years since you put in your system. So maybe you want to add more solar panels. Well, here's the good news. You get the investment tax credit on new panels. So those new panels are going to cost you 30% less. Now, also, since you're getting a new inverter because you're adding new panels, not necessarily because the old inverter broke with the new inverter, now the inverter also gets the 30% tax credit. 
Although I'm not an accountant, in my view, if you're simply replacing the inverter, you shouldn't get a tax credit on that. But if you're adding panels that requires a new inverter, hey, now you get a tax credit. So everything's going to be 30% less. Now, some contractors also, since it's a very relatively minor thing, may not need to pull up to, to create plans to get a building permit and to go through a complicated sales sales process. So all that gets easier too. You're just adding on a few panels to an existing system. Now, there are limits and kind of some boundaries as to how do you add those panels. Usually, you have to make sure you add enough panels so you have a complete string of inverters and inverters have strings. So usually you have to add 8 to 10 panels. But a lot of customers are like, hey, this solar's worked great for me. I'm happy. I'm going to add 10 more panels. that expensive. At the same time, I'm going to plug it into my new, bigger inverter. And I'm going to save even more money. Some utilities may require notification if you significantly increase the size of your system, and they also may change you to a different rate. Although, I noticed that some contractors don't necessarily tell the utility that they've slightly expanded the system. That's really up to you and your contractor. Now, the other good thing about new inverters is most of them have Wi-Fi monitoring. So if your inverter is close to your Wi-Fi connection, you can kind of monitor the system with Wi-Fi. That's pretty good. You don't have to run wires. You don't have to kind of do anything complicated, then that's good. You can kind of keep an eye on it. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee you that still five years from there, you're going to ignore that monitoring, but it's kind of good to have at the beginning to make sure the system's working. When you're putting in a new system, it's also a great opportunity to add battery storage. Now, And this is something that's going to happen a lot in 2018 and 2019 as people put in new inverters. The, the challenge is right now adding battery storage is still kind of tricky. There's not a lot of really good established, what I would call technologically mature, inverter battery storage combinations that are going to be really economical. But more and more of these systems are going to come out in 2018. So, you know, that's something to discuss with your contractor if they do have something that's really going to make sense at this time. All right. Another decision to make when you're putting in the inverter, and this is for customers that have multiple inverters. So let's say you have three inverters, but only one of them's bad. This happens pretty often. You know, we've got three SMA 2500 inverters lined up. After 15 years, one of them died. Well, are you going to just replace one? Are you going to replace one with a small inverter? Or are you going to just put in one bigger inverter and replace them all at the same time. That's my advice, is the best thing to do is then if one dies, put in one big inverter and then take out the other two, even though they're still working, I guarantee you that those other one of those other inverters, possibly two, are going to also die fairly quickly. And you're going to have to call out the contractor again and do a bunch of rewiring. So the best thing to do is discuss with your contractor the best approach to replace all the inverters at the same time. I mean, you know, typical example, three Sunny Boy 2500 inverters, replace it with one new SMA 7.0 or 7.7 inverter. And that way, you're going to be good for another 10 years at least. You're going to have better communications capabilities, and you're not going to have to worry about calling the contractor out again in, in six months, a year, two years when another one of the inverters dies. Okay, now, while the contractor's out there, this is a really good time to have your contractor do a checkup of your system. Take a look at the rest of your system. Check for dangling wires. And sometimes there's zip ties that fell off. They, they kind of break down as a result of heat under the array. You might have dangling wires. You want to clean those up. There might be debris under the panels. And this happens if there's leaves or something else. And that debris is bad because water is going to back up and you know, may have a problem in the future. There may be some squirrels or rats nesting under the panels. You want to get rid of those. 
This is a good time also for the contractor to check for possible leaks in the conduit and even, you know, change the, you know, change, uh, clean the panels. All right. So just for the inverter replacement, how much is it going to cost? Well, here's some ballpark numbers. These are kind of retail, but a new inverter costs about $1,500 to $2,000, including tax and freight. These things are heavy and they're sales tax. Okay. Now, depends on the size of the inverter and the manufacturer. You can probably get cheaper inverters and, and depends on where you get them from. And then you got to figure that the contractor is going to charge about $1,000 to really go out two trips, make sure everything's working and take care of you. It's, it's just a... Um, something that you got to make sure the contractors making a living doing this because the ones that aren't doing this to make a living they're going to be out of business okay so conclusion the rooftop solar super reliable the panels are going to last for 25 years but the inverters are usually only guaranteed for 10 years or 12 years so sometime during that 25 year life of your system you're going to have to replace the inverter it's going to cost you about three thousand dollars now it's best to get that replacement done fast there's no benefit to wait because while you're waiting you're not generating electricity you know, if that system is typically cranking out two or three hundred dollars worth of power every month, um, the longer you wait, <laughs> basically the cost is going to go up. So find a reputable contractor, find somebody that's been in business a long time, find somebody that has a crew that knows how to replace these things with a qualified technician, and uh, you can get that replaced usually in a, in a couple of weeks. Okay, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.